0: Hello, Walker from the Umbro Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GS Giant.
1: That's Brad Averton from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel.
0: Hello, you with MJ. Trust you're enjoying the start to your day. Maybe it's the end of it. Wherever it is, thanks for tuning in to the 50 Most Relevant every single day. Myself and members of the Coaches Panel and the broader fantasy footy community taking some time to chat through who are the most relevant players in fantasy football of Supercoach, Dream Team and AFL Fantasy for 2019. In at number 16 today, I've got the Fremantle Dockers captain, Nat Fife. And to chat all things Fife, I've got Jimmy of the Coaches panel on. Hello, mate. How are you?
1: Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. Good to be back again.
0: Mate, good to have you on. And, and I think when we're talking about Nat Fife, nobody doubts his scoring pedigree. But there seems to be plenty of question marks about How many games he plays. And that's the big stopping point. Before we get some answers on that... Let's look at some of what he can and has done for us over his fantasy football career. Still just a 27 years old, uh, a midfielder, and last year his best score came against the Gold Coast across all formats. It was 144 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, a 160 in Supercoach. He averaged a 102 in AFL Fantasy and and what some would consider a down year in Supercoach, at least compared to his Brownlow years, of a 113.9. He's going to set you back a little bit though across the formats, just over $740,000 in AFL Fantasy, just over $730,000 for you if you do play AFL Dream Team, while for super coaches, it's probably one of the cheaper price tags you've seen on him, at least for the couple of years anyway, $618,100. Jimmy, when we talk about Nat Fife, before we even look at the fantasy footy component of him, he is probably one of the most complete, one of the most damaging, and one of the most spectacular football players of the modern era because he can just do things that barely anybody else can.
1: Oh, absolutely. I don't think any of us doubt just uh, how much of a staff factor he's got. It's, um Now, if you're building the prototype player, he's certainly
0: not far off it. He can win his own ball. He can be damaging on the outside. Um, He's one of the most um, incredible contested ball winners. Takes big clunks overhead when he goes down forward. He's a a real forward presence and forward target for the Fremantle Dockers. And yeah, just for me, there's no surprise he's one of the best players in the AFL and often, not always, but often, these phenomenal midfielders um, do translate these scores across all fantasy formats, and he does that not just in Supercoach. Last year, uh, in AFL Fantasy from the games that he did manage to play, and it wasn't his worst seasonal career game mode, it was still the 15 games, but he managed from those 15 games, 9 tons, 7 of those were over 115 or above, while in Supercoach, 11 tons, 9 of them over 110 and if you go and actually look through some of his scoring between round two and round 10 in Supercoach, he did not miss a ton. He's just one of those players, isn't he? He's more probably suited to Supercoach than AFL Fantasy for sure. But if we do look at AFL Fantasy, sometimes there's this misnomer about him that he doesn't have an AFL Fantasy ceiling. But even just last year, before we look through any other years, seven of his nine tons were over 115. That's That's plenty ceiling.
1: Oh, it is. Absolutely. And I mean, in previous years, he's had that bit of a factor where um, you know, you'd expect him to sort of hover around that 95 hundred five mark almost week in, week out. He was pretty consistent for a while, but, um, but he does have that ceiling and every now and then he'll just smash right through that and uh, post up some phenomenal scores.
0: He has that ability, doesn't it? Just even looking some of the years last year, you know, against Essendon, one twenty three for AFL fantasy, one forty four against the Gold Coast, one twenty eight against your Tigers, another one twenty eight, I believe it was against North Melbourne. Um, those just the fantasy numbers, and then you talk Super Coach, one sixty against Supercoach, you know, a one fifty one against the Western Bulldogs. That. Richmond game one forty two later in the year against Carlton a one fifty four so here we're looking at a guy that has absolute ceiling about him and and is a genuine captaincy option especially in Super Coach but you can build that case for it in, in in Dream Team and without Perma Captain Tom Mitchell rolling around for us this year having these multiple captaincy options in a round are going to be so crucial for us, and yes, in Supercoach more than anywhere else. He's got ceiling, he's a captaincy option, and you could build a case that he's got a little bit of value based at where he's priced at.
1: Oh, absolutely. We know that he can average across the season more than he did last year, and and like we were chatting about with Merritt yesterday, he's got that potential that he could easily, um, and should and probably will, um, average quite a bit more this year than he did last.
0: Yeah, and there are some reasons for it. You go way back towards, you know, when Fremantle were competing for flags and he's winning himself a Brownlow medal back in 2014 and 2015. He played 36 of a possible 44 games. Of that in AFL Fantasy, 24 tons. Yep, so just 12 games in those two seasons. He didn't turn up. He averaged 103. Uh, For Supercoach, 30 tons of a possible 36 games and an average of 1, 2, 3. I want to talk about his 2017 year before we look at, you know, whether or not we should really go there in 2019. He managed just the 97 in AFL Fantasy, 8 tons, 6 of them over 120, there's some of that ceiling again. Supercoach 108 average, 12 tons from 21 games, 7 of them over 120. But what I saw in 2017 was also what we saw in big stretches of last season where he was often used as a forward target extensively. Not like he had in previous years where he was resting, a la what Dusty Martin kind of does, but he was being used as that primary key target in big runs of 2017 and also runs um, in other years where they just went, nah, we're going to use him as a key forward that year. And you kind of look in that middle stretch of the year, he's barely reaching the ton, even in Supercoach, because he was, back then, their primary avenue to goal.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I mean, look, if he was drafted, if he was um, available to be drafted 20-odd years ago um, and wasn't eight years old, he would have... um he would have been drafted as a key forward. He's got that sort of build and and model about him, and he he can play that role really, really well, which is why uh, Fremantle have used him there, because they've not had anyone else. Um, But uh, all of a sudden, MJ, they, uh, they do have someone else.
0: Well, that's one of the big interesting components. A lot has been made about the departure of Lockie Neal from that Fremantle midfield group. And that is an important thing for them. They all of a sudden were one of the younger midfielders in terms of how much responsibility was given to these young kids. Yes, they've got Mundy. Yes, they've got the Hill brothers um, potentially kind of likely may have been used through the midfield. I I don't believe that was how Ross Lyon was going to use him anyway before the injury. Um, I believe they were going to keep him off the half back. And, you know, Mundy was the one that got the midfield minutes when Fife went down last year, not, Blakely, but that's for another podcast, another day. But the departure of Neil means there is a greater need, more than ever before, for Nat Fife to be used as that midfielder. And he can be that now, because as you've alluded to, they have picked up two really important players in the off-season. Rory Lobb and Jesse Hogan. The key forwards that they were lacking, they now have.
1: Mm. Yes, absolutely. And both are are genuine key forward targets. And then you throw uh, players like Taverner into the mix Mm. as well. And uh, that's suddenly looking a a fairly complete forward line. There's not a lot of need for a... Uh, a player like Fife to play long stretches of periods forward in the game at all.
0: No, and and then even, look, you know, someone like a Brandon Matera uh, crumbing at the feet, uh, a Michael Walters, um, you know, having the opportunity to split mid and forward time. Uh, And it feels weird to say, but even a Cam McCarthy, um, we did see him at his best at GWS when he was almost the third or fourth tall um, behind Patton and Cameron. And so now he does become the third or even the fourth tall and can be used as a link-up player. And that's where he was at his best is not you know getting the ball bombed on top of his head um but it was running up and linking up across the ground and that's what we should see so i i agree i, I don't think the need for Fife to play forward will be there i think he'll still rest forward because of how good a player well, not he not is the way but, the
1: game plays now but yeah. Um, but yeah he won't he won't be used as a as a key forward with regularity as he has been in the last couple of years and, yeah um and then the players that they've brought into their midfield um yeah, you're, you're not using Collier and Conqueror as your, your key midfield figures. I think. No. They're, um, they're, they're part-time role players at, at best, and um, and they've got the young kids like Chera and Broshaw coming through. and you know, there, There's a, a reasonable enough core unit there, but as you said, with Neil gone especially, um, Fife is really going to have to shoulder that load.
0: Yeah, and I believe he will. Look, conservatively in Supercoach, he's going 110, you know, conservatively.
1: 150.
0: Um, yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> he's not a tiger, remember? We need to not be as biased. Look, conservatively, and a 110 average in Supercoach makes you a top 10 midfielder. Um. Yeah. Conservatively, he's definitely a 100 midfielder in AFL Fantasy, but I believe there's a little bit of a bump Um. that's yeah. there. So certainly for me right now, he's locked in Supercoach and Dream Team and Fantasy. I'm not opposed to people adding him in. I certainly don't think it would be a bad pick. I think the question mark around Nat Fife that needs to be kind of posed is... Yeah. How many games is he going to play? Now, we don't have a crystal ball, we don't know, but I would say this, as we've talked about with other players that have a durability question mark on them, is players that have a history of missing lots of games in salary cap formats, you either start them or you pass on them for the year. You st- yeah. Because the injury variable does not change, even if after the first six weeks they're pumping out 125s.
1: No, that's it. We can all sit here right now and look at Nat Fife and go, right, there's every chance that he's pumping out 125s for the first six weeks. We all know this. That doesn't change either, whether he does it or not. Um, we all know, as you said, that there's every chance that he misses two, three, five, twelve 12 games this year. Yeah. We don't know how many. We don't know when. It might not be any at all. But those things, based on what we know now, don't change. And if you ask the same question at the end of round six or at the end of round 12 or Around eighteen, when you're priming for finals, the same answer has to be given as it's given in the preseason. Yeah, look, so at are not picking him now purely because of that injury yeah. factor. You can't bring him in mid-season because that doesn't change either.
0: And and some would say, well, what about AFL fantasy, where I get a two trades every week, and if it doesn't matter, you know, if he gets injured, because but I'd say it's even more crucial than that in AFL fantasy if you're bringing him in because when you're upgrading to a premium. The injury variables, again, nobody knows what it is, and guys like Devin Smith and Taylor Adams over the past few years have proven just because you've got a bad injury history doesn't mean you're going to have a bad injury history coming into a new year. It's got to be purely about what can he score when he's on the ground. And if you're going to pick him, it's got to be a start of you because the possible variables of injury based on historical data only increase the chance of injury with every game he plays.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Would agree 100% with that.
0: For what it's worth, he played 21 games in 2017, by the way. So, um, you know, coaches that, yeah, he probably didn't have his best year, the 108 in 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 um, Supercoach, the 97 in Fantasy. But we talked about that year a, a little bit earlier where he was used as the key forward more often than he needed to. And by the way, they kind of stopped that experiment late in 2017. They moved him back into the midfield. In the final five games, he averaged 108 in fantasy. That's on the verge of a top 10 midfielder. And uh, in those final five games, he averaged 130 in supercoach.
1: Not bad, eh?
0: Oh, no, it's five games. But it's just that re-reminder of when he's in the midfield, when he's firing and fit. He's a super coach. I, I hate the phrase must-have, but he's really hard to not have and succeed, whereas <laughs> AFL Fantasy, he's right up the top of the tree as well.
1: Oh, that's it. And and based on what we know at the moment of his preseason, mm. I don't think any of those previous injury concerns are a, 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 a huge concern. No,
0: it's not the same injury that keeps right. happening. It's not always soft tissues. It's a shoulder here. It's an ankle here. Like, it's it's yeah. always different. That's just as much as anything. Bad luck. So. It is
1: it is. Um it might also mean that it's not a um a well put together physique either. Um, Are you
0: saying Nat Fife isn't a well otherwise. put together physique?
1: I was just saying, as much as looking at him might be just <laughs> otherwise, but uh, something might be wrong inside. We don't know. But look, it's um as you said, he's getting a lot of different things that have gone wrong over the years, but for the most part, um with with a couple of exceptions, I haven't been hugely um recurring at all, and, mm. and so I don't think there's any, personally, any need to to not pick him on that basis at this point. But well, I could certainly understand why someone would have caution.
0: Yeah, no, and fair enough too, and if you've got that caution, you've just got to back that selection in over the year. Uh, yeah. And if you believe he's going to score, especially in Super Coach, which is where I've definitely got him locked in right now, um, mm-hmm. and it, look, injury's the only thing that's going to move him out, um, then lock it in. And if you just got to go in open eyes, it's not if he gets to round eight and he gets injured, you're like, Wow, he's never been injured before. Now, you've got to know what you're walking into. Um, but yeah. that's just a part of the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's Absolutely
0: talk drafts though. In a super because yeah. it's different. Supercoach draft scoring as opposed to fantasy and dream team, very, very different. In a super yeah. coach draft, I'd still pick him in the first round, given what he can do. Do you see a world where he drifts outside of the first round in a supercoach scoring format?
1: No, I don't think so. And I think um generally coaches who focus on that format are very well aware of what he does when he's on. Um, and with the, the changes that um, Freo have made in the off-season, I think he'd be very firmly front of mind for most of them. He's um, yeah, clear first-rounder, I think, in that format.
0: NFL Fantasy, Dream Team, Ultimate Footy, probably slides a, a couple of rounds beyond that. But he's probably still a worthy M2. Um, You might yeah. get lucky as an M3, who knows? But I think an M2 is certainly a, a worthy selection, especially if you've been able to lock a forward and a defender along the way. He gone inside the top 50 selections?
1: Um, Yeah, I think there are thereabouts. I mean, he's, um, based on what he averaged last year, um, around that 100-point mark, he's one of, um, and I've, I've mentioned this stat a few times, one of only 22 or 23 players who averaged over 100 last year as pure midfielders, and so... With that in mind, in theory, there's enough for each coach to get two, maybe three of those each, depending on the size of your pool. And that, to me, puts him at that sort of M2, M3 mark.
0: Yeah, so So. we're talking, you know, maybe the third round might be a touch early, but he could go as early as the third round. But definitely as you're entering into the fifth round, if he's still on your board and it's your fifth pick, enjoy the selection of Nat 5.
1: Oh, absolutely. You'd be very, very happy to get him there. And whether that is as your M2, because you've picked in every other line beforehand, um, that's still not a bad place to have him if that's where he ends up. Um, If you've picked four mids to start your thing and you're sitting there at the start of round five, then uh, it'd be hard to pass on still, but uh, you want to do something about the rest of your lineup pretty quickly.
0: Look, I got him ranked inside my top 20 averaging forwards for two uh, midfielders for 2019 in AFL Fantasy and maybe a little bit higher in the top 20 than maybe people would like to know about. In a keeper league... Yeah. where does he go in an existing keeper league? Probably similar, I would suspect, as we've talked about with a couple of these bigger end premiums throughout the 50 most mm-hmm. relevant, they start to go in a similar position to where they're likely to go in a single season draft. It's similar for you, sort of M2, yeah. you know, round three, four, five, depending on size of squads, personal preference, all those kind mm-hmm. of factors?
1: Oh, yeah, that's it. There's, there's there's always a lot of factors, as we, we mention every time we, we touch on this topic, but... um, yeah, At 27, he's still in the prime of his career. And yeah. given the way that he can play forward as well as mid, you'd expect he's got a good five or so years left in him at least. And if he's scoring hundreds for that period of time, then you're going to be very happy picking him up. So I think, yeah, he slides a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. Maybe around. In a single-season draft, yep. but not by a whole lot
0: more. Okay. In a keeper league that's already going.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is he still worth trying to go and nab because of that concern you may have over the hi- history of his body? Is that something you could maybe sow the seeds of reminder to a coach of, hey, remember, doesn't play 22 games, never done it over his career, played 21 yeah. a couple of times, but never played every game in his career. Here, here's, I don't know, here's Scott Pendlebury. Like, I don't know. Like, do you offer <laughs> do you offer up a young and comer? You know, like, what, what do you do to yeah. get Nat Fyfe out of the coach?
1: Uh, look, I think um, the way I tend to see these things go in, in most leagues is that a, a player with a name or a reputation like, like a um, yeah, you, know, you generally have to pay a little bit over for them until they're on the wrong side of 30. So yeah. um, all of those uh, reasons not to pick him that we discussed in salary um, are, are still relevant in a, a draft. Sure. And if a... Uh, the coach who's got him has a particular need. He's probably going to be the type of midfielder that he might be more happy to give up to, you know, compared to if he owns a an Oliver or a Merritt that we spoke about yesterday, or, or one of those types. So, is um, I don't think he's an easy get, but mm. um, you know, every, every player with every coach will have a, a price, and it's just finding out what that is.
0: Yep, no, fair enough. definitely
1: hey, worth asking
0: questions about. Oh, I 100% agree with you. Is uh, I would be going and asking some questions, going, hey, man, there's this player, there's this player, there's Fife, there's this player, there's this player. Just see, you know, that's often how sometimes you can get these players to pick up out of nowhere is uh, a little bit of luck falls your way. I think he's a great keeper league, single season, and definitely super coach option. In fact, even in AF Fantasy, he's a good pick. Hey, man, appreciate your thoughts today as we've talked about Nat Fife.
1: Easy done,
0: mate. Always fun. Yeah, absolutely it is. If you want to uh, go and check out the article on Nat or any of the other players in the 50 Most Relevant, you can go and do that over at coachespanel.tv. That is the website. All the links for our Patreon, how you can pledge and become a part of the family and get some early access to these podcasts and some exclusive content. You can go and check out. Speaking about these podcasts, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a positive review. And we're getting close now. The final 15 players of the 50 most relevant, they have arrived. And tomorrow, a real interesting selection sneaks into my top 15.